Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of The Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. This week, the biggest scandal on campus was the GW College Democrats here with our student life editor, Lizzie Mintz, to discuss just how this all got started. Where were you when you heard this news? I was sitting in the bi-weekly student association meeting. It was about 11 p.m. on Monday night when I suddenly got text messages to check my email. I had received multiple um, emails from various editors, from reporters, uh, friends, and they were passing along an email that was sent by the College Democrats e-board to all of its general members explaining that seven of their current leaders were resigning. Now, generally, the email said that five of their members were leaving their positions to focus on things like mental health or or academics, while the email also said that two members of the organization had left previously um, before Monday. So the members resigned actually on Monday and then the email was sent the same night. Yes, that's correct. The email was them announcing their resignation effective immediately. So then after that, how did we get to the place where we're finding out that this is not about health and taking like a mental break? A little bit more than two hours later, very early Tuesday morning, the executive board sent out another email to leadership, to all of their members, and posted on social media that the leadership would be holding a town hall, sort of open style meeting, Tuesday evening to clear up any miscommunication or any questions that general members had about the slew of resignations that had just been announced. Throughout the day on Tuesday, I started hearing various rumors about why general members in the student body thought that these executive board members, and then I slowly started hearing allegations that there had been some type of election rigging. Now, very early Tuesday evening after we heard that rumor, I started hearing it from multiple people. It started spreading across campus, so I reached out to all of the current members of the executive board, of which there are seven. One responded back and said that he believed that the statement that was going to be released at the town hall would clear everything up. The other six did not return my requests for comment. Then we got to the town hall. Um, About 150 students packed into one room to to hear from the student leaders what exactly had occurred. And that was when one current member of the executive board read a statement for the entire group refuting the allegations about sexual misconduct, about money laundering, and said that, in fact, during the September election for the Foggy Bottom freshman representative, votes had been omitted from that race, and all of the members who had some type of connection to the omission had stepped down. One last question. What do you think are the biggest questions that don't have answers right now? I think the biggest question that people are asking is who exactly was involved in this of the five members who resigned in connection to this incident. 
and what was their involvement. The current executive board has been advised by members of the Center for Student Engagement not to release the names of those who were directly involved. I think something that we also heard at the town hall is a lot of the members were angry that they weren't provided detail about what exactly happened, how members were able to emit votes. Um, a lot of students were calling on leaders to just explain what happened, even if that meant not saying exactly who was involved. And I think it is also fairly unclear what the next couple of weeks are going to look like. And of course, we'll be talking to one member of the current executive board to find out what exactly are the next steps being considered going forward. Louis Kahn, the campaigns director, is here with us. Can you just start off by telling us when you found out about this, from when you found out about this to present day, like what feedback have you been getting from the community and from your organization from broader? One thing that we got from the town hall is that students want more transparency with the executive board, which is why that we have, we have committed to having more uh, public forums um, in the days and uh, weeks going uh, coming forward. Um, I think uh, one thing that a, a student brought up was um, how we're going to be monitoring our elections in the future. Uh, we, we originally were going to have an uh, independent commission, but now we're looking into um, other avenues. So that's just one example of how we're taking student opinion to make GW Dems more transparent. Uh, we've been in discussions with our um, advisor, Natalie Hirschberger, who um, works over the Center for Student Engagement, and she's been uh, giving us just some viable alternatives. One of them is moving our election system entirely online to engage, and that goes to say that probably all organizations at GW should be doing that because it is the most efficient software um, and safe software to have elections on and keeps the utmost integrity instead of having paper ballots. So that is definitely something that we're looking into. So when, with this focus on transparency, mm -hmm. you had the town hall, um, but you're also not uh, explaining any of the details about the election rigging or right. naming the students involved mm -hmm. from the seven because only five of them were actually involved while two uh, were not involved. So can you explain why that is, why you've taken that route, uh, despite this focus on transparency? Sure. So I would say, uh, from a personal standpoint, I think that it's important for everybody to know everything, but we are also taking into consideration what the Center for Student Engagement has asked, it to, asked us to do. And um, this matter is very sensitive for obvious reasons, and I cannot disclose names for that reason. How do you think that the College Democrats can regain the trust of its, their members? So I think that one of the main missions of our organization is within the name, and that's to elect Democrats and make sure that Democrats are represented uh, up and down, uh, that we elect Democrats up and down the ballot and then get them into public office and make real change in the lives of everyday Americans. And by being an open and transparent body, and we just hope to have these conversations in the future um, about, uh, just with students, how we could chart a path forward um, that doesn't alienate anybody from the organization. Thank you so much, Louis. Of course, thank you for having me. Now I have the opportunity to talk to Drew Amstutz, who resigned from the executive board of the College Democrats, uh, but was not involved with the election rigging scandal. Um, so can you tell me what was going through your head when you found out about the circumstances involving the other resignations? Yeah, so when I found out about what had happened in September, it was this past Sunday, and I had just gotten off from work. I had left work in Pentagon City at 12.45 in the morning 
Um, very late night, I got back, and on the Uber ride home, um, I noticed that I had a million text messages. So I was slowly going through and reading all of those, um, and every single one of them just said, hey, we need to talk, something happened. Hey, we need to talk, something happened. And I was like, oh no, what happened? What could this be? Um, so then I meet with the first person, and I hear everything. I hear about um, just how there had been the willful omission of votes, um, how a lot, of, a lot of people were mad at each other, um, and just how things have really gone wrong. Um, and as I gained more information after meeting with more people that night, I had been meeting with people until three in the morning. Um, how many people would you say you met with that night? I met with four people okay. that night. Um, and by 2.30, or about 2.15, it became clear that, you know what, this is just not ethically right. This is not something I can stand behind. Um, I love college Democrats through and through, but I just can't stand for this. Um, it was very unclear what was going to be the future of the org, who was going to stay, what was the direction they were going to go with this. Um, and as the communications person, I didn't know what I would have to defend. So I felt that ethically, like, I just couldn't stay on anymore. So I um, submitted my resignation letter at 2.17, met with some more people, and then just went to bed feeling, you know, exhausted, defeated, and just really upset that something that I had invested so much in this year was now something that I had to leave, all for something that happened a month ago that I just now found out. And there's been a lot of talk about how the, the college Democrats are moving forward and how they're dealing with um, this issue. From your perspective as someone who stepped away, how do you think they're dealing with it and do you think that they're going to be able to walk away from this unscathed? I do. Uh, unscathed, I don't know about unscathed, but I do think that it's going to be a situation where down the road, when you think of college Democrats, yeah, you might think, oh yeah, didn't they have some willful omission of votes last year or something? But when you think about it holistically, you're going to be thinking about, you know, we're heading into 2020, we're going to be getting a presidential candidate, we're going to be doing a lot of advocacy work. Um, you're going to be thinking about the really cool things that Dems does. This is definitely a blemish on the amazing things that the organization does, and I will not pretend like this isn't bad because it is. But I do think that there's a lot to move on from from this, and I think that the current e-board is doing a pretty good job of trying to articulate that this is not who Dems is, and that any actions like this won't be tolerated, and that we are only moving forward and away from this. And one kind of specific question is, so the, the current executive board has pledged to be very transparent about the process mm -hmm. and had a town hall to kind of explain things to members. One thing that the current e-board has been talking a lot about is transparency, um, but they're, they're choosing not to and they've been advised not to talk about the specifics of what happened and also the e-board members that were involved. Um, what do, you th what do you make of that decision, and do you think that is a smart one in the long run? Well, I think that, you know, I wasn't in on the conversations with the Office for the Student Experience, so I don't know what was exactly advised and then how the e-board took that information and went into the town hall. Um, I think that while this is a very bad situation, you, um, I think it's really important to realize that everybody involved was a student and students make mistakes. Um, I don't condone the actions that were made, but I also wouldn't want the College Democrats to, on an official basis, start pointing fingers. 
Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us, Drew. Definitely, definitely. This week, I'm talking to our sports editor, Emily Mays, about a huge basketball guide that you put together, analyzing all the, the men's and women's teams, both men's and women's teams, and also their different strategies and different players that are coming to the season this year. So for your typical fan looking into the season, what are three things they need to know about the men's team? Yeah, I think on the men's side, um, obviously they have a new coach and a new coaching staff. So Jamie and Christian came in this year um, from Siena and he brings with him also a new offense and a new defense. So on the offensive side, you're gonna expect a lot of shots from the perimeter, a lot of three-point shooting, uh, heavy offense, also pick and roll. He wants to um, open up the paint so he can open up on the uh, perimeter. Okay. Yeah, so just expect three-point shooting. Um, yeah. Got it. Shooting. And then defense. So he has a mayhem-style defense, um, which is high pressure, and you can see full-court press. So when the opponent tries to bring the ball up, they'll be pressuring them, pestering them, and trying to trap them. Um, and then a big thing that he wants the team to do is have his defense generate offense. So when he makes those stops from the defensive pressure, then he can get the ball on offense um, and create more points that way. Is there anything interesting to know kind of about his just leadership style and like the morale of the team? There are 17 members on the team and eight are new, so it is a new crop of players. They have a couple seniors, but a lot of freshmen and transfers coming in, so it's a little bit of a new dynamic, and the team has kind of worked through the summer and the preseason to kind of get to know each other. Um, but Coach Christian really has an environment of positivity, to, positivity that he's tried to create. The women's basketball team didn't have that great of a season last year. How are they planning to kind of bounce back and recover? They have about seven new people that did not see the court last year that will this year. They have two graduate transfers, two freshmen, and then three players that were on the team last year but were injured or out um, because of NCAA transfer rules. Coach Rosati definitely expects them to kind of step up their game and offense is where the team struggled last year. Um, so really putting points on the board, they were last in the A-10 in points. Um, so they're gonna look to players like Nila Luma, who's a junior guard. She averaged about 10 points per game. So they're really gonna look to her to kind of be a vocal leader both on offense and defense. Um, and also point guard depth is something that they've added. Uh, last year, Malin Batista, who graduated, was their main point. She ran it for about three years. And um, she had a concussion at the end of the, at the, end of the year. And um, they didn't have a lot of people behind her to step up and kind of fill that role. But this year, they have um, kind of a trio of guards that they're looking to run the points. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by producer Jacob Fulvag, assistant photo editor Ariel Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. A special thanks to Lizzie Mintz and Emily Mays for joining us.